Well, Sarah. <laughs> Look, this is the first time we're recording an episode in my new office. <gasps> you know what's nice? Tell me. I like having a little something different to look at. It's so pink back there. <laughs> you don't have to look at my bed, my bedroom. <laughs> I wasn't getting involved in that. I was just saying the pink is nice. I recently oh, changed my desk and imagine that you were like, look, there's something interesting. Uh, look at all those that. maps on your walls. It's the map room. It is. My wall matches your sweater. It does. Anyway, but I also have, um, uh, there is a play date going on in my house right now. Sure. So if you hear, you know, shouting or screaming, we need to stop and then, you know, get back at it. But hi, everyone. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And you're with us for this edition of Faded Mates. We are ready, you guys, to tackle the trope everyone is, I don't, I don't understand. I don't obsessive about. I mean, it's an obsession at this point. In it's romance. fake dating, everybody. Like, let's just get it off the table, right? The thing that's amazing to me, though, is like how. What this is what amazes me about about genre, yeah. And of course, I think so much about Jane and Krenz talking about like genre writes the myth, and I'm kind of like, why is it then that right now of all things, fake dating is like everywhere. Because it seems like it's a fucking nightmare out there. It seems like a hellscape out there. <laughs> and here's why. I, look, I haven't gone on a date in a long time. It's sad. But, um, you know, I think that when you read, when you see, I see my, my friends who are dating, who are trying to date. And it's also... Yeah. Clinical now? Right. It's like, oh, I looked at the picture and I liked the picture, so I swiped the thing sure. and then we texted for, you know, a day and then he ghosted me before we could meet. Or and then we met and it was, you know, right. weird because, you know, it was weird. And the breathlessness of like a first meeting is missing, but like a sort of a, a random first meeting. I'm saying right, like right. You know, meetings at a bar or whatever. Wedding, right. At a wedding or coffee shop or whatever in a bar. But at the same time, so I think these books are really doing an interesting thing because they're both saying like, okay, well, how could dating be more perfect and still have that kind of clinical experience? I think it's a really interesting conversation with how dating has evolved. There's a lot of, okay, we talk about romance reasons a lot, right? And and I thought to myself, you know, writing about dating via app is mm. going to only be interesting, right, like very briefly on the page. So the other thing I was thinking is that this is a way for, right, like this is a way for these books essentially to like, admit that that is a, the way most people meet nowadays without actually ever having to like do the boring shit of like writing that stuff. Right. And I, and I, I think like a, like a similar thing is like, okay, in real life, if we were reading about people who are friends or dating or just real life, there would be nonstop texting all day, right? Nonstop texting all day. Mm -hmm. But in a book now, all I need to see from a, a romance author is like, one texting conversation, and I understand that it's essentially like a placeholder for texting is happening, 
Right. Right? So I I did find myself thinking like, okay, so you're admitting that, you know, online dating is happening or dating via app. And we all get that that's kind of part of this ecosystem. But how are we going to write somebody just like sitting on their couch and swiping? I don't know. It's really interesting. I found myself thinking a lot about it too. Yeah, but also there's a safety in this version, right? In of the course. sense that if you're sitting on your couch and swiping, you can't find the – what are the odds you're going to actually find the person who you need for this particular conflict, right? Right. W- the person who you can show off to your boss at the work event or the person you can take to the family wedding or the person you can, you know, I don't know, all the other things. You yeah. Know, inherit your dream summer whatever camp, whatever <laughs> the things are and the truth is that um the the way that this is structured is very much about also providing the characters with an ideal experience right like if it's fake it can't go wrong at least on paper at the beginning, right? right? I mean, obviously, we know as readers that it's going to go terribly wrong, hopefully, right by the end. But, um, you know, if the setup is clear and we've made a deal and we're both in it for our own reasons, we're invested in this relationship going so right it appears perfect to outsiders. I think the other thing we have to talk, of course, about is the pandemic, right? So... In a time when real dating was, like, put on hold, when a lot of – like, a lot of the books that we're just reading now are pandemic – written during the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm also thinking, well, what is – how is it, like, feeding into our desperation to, like, sort of get out of our houses or (laughs) – right? Especially that first year. So I don't know. I found myself thinking, too, like, no one was real dating, Right, right. Fake dating is even safer in this case because yeah. you can, you do know that. Usually, you know the person, right? I mean, it's rare that you find a fake dating book where like it just happens with a stranger, <laughs> right? Exactly. So I, yeah, I found myself thinking too about like how would fake dating give us something we needed at a time when we were all stuck at home, right? Because mm-hmm. it seems like that has to be. I don't know if I came up with a satisfactory answer, everybody, but it seems like that's I mean, a big I still part. Go back too. to it's a fucking hellscape. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, even you might as well right? pick somebody who like you mostly know and you know can stand the sight of. Well, and I guess that's I, I would say again, like, and I, maybe I'm, I will admit I was maybe thinking about it too much. Is so many of the hooks for these books are about mm. family. Mm-hmm. Keeping family happy. <laughs> yeah, I have a whole I have a whole note about this because wait, can before we go that sure. way, can we talk about because I think this is important. I want to spend a little more time about on family. Um, so my thing about fake dating, and we, I've said it on the podcast, like I've been kind of pretty clear on the podcast that like it's not my favorite trope, and part of the reason why it's not my favorite trope is I think I'm getting tired of it, one. But also, um, I think that it's really, really, really hard to do well. Yeah. And the reason why I think it's really hard to do well is because I think stakes are more important in fake dating than they are in a lot of other romances. Agreed. Agreed. And what I mean by that is that I have to understand three things when I get into a fake dating book, and I have to understand them very quickly. 
One, why is this happening? Like, why do you need a fake relationship to survive? And these questions are for all parties in the relationship, not just um, one One of them. Right. Why are they, why is this good for everybody? Um, What, why this person Mm -hmm. and not any number of other people? Right. And what happens if it all goes south? Right. What is the stake? Right. What is the thing that I have to care about? Um, and so that is really hard to do because it's both it's goal motivation and conflict, right? right? That's the whole. I mean, for those of you who are out there who are writers, people talk all the time about goal motivation conflict. I don't think there is a single trope that better right harnesses the need for those three things on the page than this one. And so often I find that fake dating books don't nail all three of those things. And if they don't, it's just a glaring, it's glaring. Yes. For me. Right. Right. So here's what I will say, because I of course spent a lot of time talking about it too. And I think one of the things that's really interesting for – okay, this is like a very personal statement. One of the things I don't love as much is when one character is lying to the other. But in fake dating, what you instead have are two characters who have colluded to lie to everyone else. to the world, yeah. And I think the other thing, though, that you have to really believe in order for it to work is that these are two people who are usually pretty truthful. So you're also putting them into a situation where they are uncomfortable at at the very thing that they're doing, right? So it has to also really trigger a lot of internal conflict, like, I'm lying, but I'm not a liar. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's another part that in order for it to work sometimes, that's like that sort of internal angsty conflict is, right. you know, I don't want to really actually read a book about a bunch of liars. So how are you going to get me to get into this? Well, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, right? that's, that's fundamentally the why. Yeah. why. It has to be a good reason. It right. can't be, like, f- truthfully, I think the, the, one of the, the hardest things it are these family yes. stories. So you were talking about family and, and I think, so I have, oh, I have so many things. I have so many things written down. Um, <laughs> So there's general motivation, right? Like big mm-hmm. buckets of motiva- motivation. So there's family, yes. right? Which is one big bucket. Yes, I have my there's list too. Work, mm-hmm. right? And individual accomplishment, like achievement. This is, yes. I need to have a, a date in order to continue my job, get promoted, et cetera. There's work. There's personal, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, there's something I believe there's something fundamentally problem like a problem with me and this is this relationship will somehow fix it or help me experience something that I yeah. wouldn't be able to help. I called that Let's, mag magnanimous fate dating. Someone's doing someone else a favor. I'm gonna make oh, you yeah. look good, right? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so what I bumped what I put in this bucket is like all of the escort romances go mm-hmm. in here. Yes. Right. Like this is not the escorts don't get anything out of this. At the beginning, they are agreeing to. Well, they get uh, paid. They get paid. Oh, yeah. They get right? paid. But, which is fine. Like, sex work is work. Sure. But it's not an emotional. Yes, it's investment. a different thing. Right. Right. Um, 
And, but in that scenario, also like that amps up the what happens if it all goes south, right? right. Like right. The, con- the, the threat of discovery ha- is like so super heightened. And the other thing I put in there is sex deals. Hmm. Okay. Because I, like I think so. You know how we've talked over the over the last couple of I don't know over the season. I've been <laughs> thinking a lot about like what are the primordial tropes mm-hmm. of the genre, yeah. right? Like, and what I mean by that is, it feels like lots of things can get bucketed into like it feels like fake dating is a big giant bucket, right? And then like marriage of convenience in there is in there. Sex, sex deals deal. are in there, like squirts, right? Yeah. Uh, what is the like glow up one? Essentially, the magnanimous fake dating is what was that movie like? Where he's gonna like make her look good to everybody? Is that she's all that? I think there's a million of them. Whatever. There's like can't, a can't buy me love. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, so here, where would you put like another one? I I like is like we're gonna get back at somebody. Is that revenge? Like, revenge, like right, like these two fucked us over. So by fake dating, we're gonna like give them the finger. Yeah, is Listen, that personal? I guess. Yeah, I think that's personal, but also like I, I, I love that because that's that's like hijinks, right? Right. It's, I want right. to make somebody jealous. Is yes, really <laughs> fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and rarer now. I was trying to find like a more current one. I have one. You do? I do. I don't know that I've read it because I'm excited about that. And then one more. I have one more bucket, which is life or death. Mm. And what I put in there is things like prison planets. Sure. Like, I mean, when I say life or death, I mean literally Literally. like, you know, um, like mafia romance, Mm -hmm. like motorcycle clubs, like all the things where like we have to pretend to be together in order for you to survive. Mm -hmm. You know, Sophie Jordan has one of those in um, the the Devil's Rock series where like the president's daughter is kidnapped by this terrible like domestic terrorist sect and the hero is undercover. Yes. And like they have to pretend to be. Yes. Like he has to pretend to like. Yeah. Be into her. I love that. Like everything I left unsaid by Molly O'Keefe is like yes, that. yes, life or death. So good. And like again, right. so this is why when I say when I'm talking about stakes, like obviously that's yes. on a continuum. There's there you go. Well, I need a date for my sister's wedding because she's <laughs> marrying my ex fiance. Right, it's a very different thing than I might die on a prison planet if not for this person being my partner. Like that. There's, so that's books. it. It's zero yeah. to ten. <laughs> You know what, though, I was also thinking was really interesting is how many of these are about about weddings, about showing up at a wedding. And I also think it really – but you know what? I was thinking I think it really taps into, like, how – it taps into our feelings about sometimes you go to a wedding that's a performance, right? It's Where, always a performance. Right. But I mean – in the way that you're like sitting there watching it happen and being like, this isn't going to last. This is not a marriage. I'm not about to see a marriage starting. I'm, about, I'm seeing a wedding. Yeah. And I think that there's a reason that like fake dating is well, attracted taps, to that, right? Yeah. And it taps into that sort of the way that we culturally stigmatize single yes, people. Absolutely. People who are unattached in a romantic relationship, which is yes. nonsense, obviously. Right. Um. The way we prioritize romantic love over, or, or rather, partnership over right 
right. legal partner documentation around <laughs> partnership, right? The patriarch, the patriarchy partnership, or or you know, a legitimately yeah. happy like life where you have right many many people and are not partnered, right? Right. So yeah, I mean, I ended up thinking about a lot of the a lot of the same things, but yeah, it's like that trigger has to be. It has to be a good one. So let's now let's get into like family. Okay. And then and then obviously I just want to underscore, I said this at the beginning, but both characters have to have a reason to be there yes. in this moment. So, you know, we're not gonna talk obviously about escort romances, although we have, we did a right. one of our first interstitial episodes ever. We'll put it in show notes, was about escort romances. Um, but yeah, like so we're not gonna talk about that because of that, Fair. but like obviously the as a Jen said, like the other party gets paid. So. Right. Right. But if but that's actually a good example of like the stakes too. Like, but if it all goes south and someone falls in love, right? Yeah. Then what happens? Because it's a business partnership. That's right. Yeah. No, now you're in real trouble. And maybe that person who you have hired to be your escort um can not fall in love. Like, maybe they are fine not falling in love, right? They are – the fear of unrequited love is the stake there. Yeah. Yeah. I also think – maybe this is impolitic to say, but I feel like especially in older escort romances, the there's like a shame factor, Right, people are oh, gonna. Yeah, well, right? if it all gets found out, then yeah, then people right. are like, you had to hire somebody, you can't get someone on your own, like, right, like sort of that whole, right, like they already think I'm a loser, and now am I just like feeding into that by proving right. it again? Like, well, right? there's that um, J N Welsh. She has a holiday romance that I think we talked about on that early interstitial called Gigolo All the Way, where she's like, yes. her family is just the worst about her being single, and so she hires a sex worker to come home with her um, to a family Thanksgiving. And the good question is, if they get found out, her family will know that she has hired this person. Yeah. All right. So why don't we talk – why don't you talk about, like, the family – what family conflict looks like? One of the things is the thing I just said, right? Like, they don't approve of me or they don't understand that I am a real adult. They don't respect the choices I've made. And if I have the right person in my life, I will somehow prove to them that I am, like, a real kind of grown-up, right? Um, And I think that there are a couple books that I'm just going to briefly name-check, but then I'm going to talk about. Um, It Fixed Her Up by Tessa Bailey. Um, Georgie is young. Like, she's the youngest sibling in her family. Even though she has her own house and her own, uh, you know, small company that she runs, no one in her family takes her seriously. So she ends up um, striking up a fake fake relationship with, oh, God, he's so hot. I'm like, whoo. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Travis Ford. I had a moment. Travis Ford, who is a Major League Baseball player. And he has his own reasons, essentially, for wanting to look like a – like a, I don't know, a family guy. Like not a family guy, but just like someone who's more 
a lot of young men in these books need a fake relationship so they will look more appealing to whoever they're looking for a job for, right? Right. This is work. This is the work thing. So for her, it's family. And for him, it's work. And um, this audiobook is also on sale this week on Chirp. So if you go to audiobooks.fatedmates.net, you can get this on audio pretty cheap this week. Um, Good deal. Yeah. I also really like Priscilla Oliveris's Island Affair. Um, which is a similar um, – in this one, it's – what I like about these – a couple of these is just like they're literally asking anyone. The desperation to show their family that they are not a loser, <laughs> right, is sort of what drives um, drives this one as well. She asks a guy in the – like she meets essentially literally in the – like in the airport. Like, hey, would you be willing to do this with me? Um The one, though, that I really wanted to talk about was a way higher stakes than that, which is totally engaged by Mina Esgara. And in this one, okay, Rose is 41 and still in Manila. If you've never read a book by a romance class author, these are terrific romances written written in English by Filipina romance writers. And this is a really interesting setup. Essentially, her family, when she was really young, applied for U.S. to go to, go to the U.S. And when they finally get accepted, she's 23. Rose is 23. And she's too old to go. She essentially gets almost like grandfathered out of mm. their petition to go to the United States. Mm-hmm. So she, the family goes, and she's 23, and she gets the house in Manila, and she makes a life for herself. And But – the deal is, is as long as she stays single, there is a potential that like this outstanding petition she has in her own name might be accepted. And her mom is like, we really want you to come to the States. But she has a life for herself. She has a little small fashion business. She runs with her friend. And so her um, she also has like a studio apartment. She's turned the garage of the family home into the studio apartment and she's renting it out to this really hot guy named Pascal. It is her <laughs> sis, like a friend. And th- she's known him kind of ever since they were teenagers. She's a little older than him. So nothing ever happened when they were teenagers. But now he's like staying in the house. They have this awkward kiss. And she's kind of like, I can't do this. I'm renting to you. I can't be fooling around with the, you know, my renter. And then a couple weeks into his rental, she shows up at the door and she was like, okay, so listen, I just need you to, like, get dressed and follow my lead. (laughs) And it turns out her mother and all of the aunties are there, and she is like, this is my fiancé. Because Perfect. she doesn't, you know, but right, she, she she's changed her mind. She wants to live her own life. On yes. Her and, and but she doesn't really know how to say that without hurting her mom's feelings. And so producing this like fake fiance. And he is also a great character. He has had, you know, he is an MBA and has like kind of worked in business. But now he has like a new position and he's just basically temporarily living with her until his place gets renovated. Um, and he's like, like, I'm 39. No more. He calls it his year of like not fucking around like he's gonna Mm. get serious but it's this to me is a great example of a truly high stakes you've got immigration status you've got Mm -hmm. family you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings Mm -hmm. you think they're gonna leave and go back to the states you just have to put on this show for a couple of weeks 
And the other thing is, one of the things romance class authors talk about quite frequently is there's you cannot divorce in the Philippines. So a lot of romances are really about, like, what would it mean if there was, like, it's ever after, no matter yeah. what, happily or not. And it's great. This is a great, great example of high stakes, right, motive, character, conflict. It's all right in there. Yeah. So I have um, I have a couple that I want to name check around family, this, like, family devotion piece or um, – so there's obviously there's um, or not even family devotion, but like family as a motivating factor. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about Tracy Livesey's like lovers do. Yes, but um, you know that is so. What I think is interesting, and what the way that I I wrote out all of these books on my list for today is I try to sort of bucket the motivation for both characters in each of these um, books because I was trying to figure out like, what is the, what's the magic, you know, what's the secret sauce of a, of a fake dating book that I love. Um, And I think that there is, I think most, like I said, it's always steaks, but that's no surprise to anybody who listens to the podcast. Like I love a steak. Um, But the question here is, is, that often it is two buckets, right? Like it's not like it would make both of our families happy if we were dating. Right. Never quite works for me mm. because in that case, you had better be able to pull off a strong enemies to lovers situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a strong like unrequited love situation. Well, I have one that I think I'll talk about after, it's, which is a strong opposites attract where both families want like want a relationship or they're so different so convincing yeah. the families can be tricky like yeah, right yeah yeah so anyway i i mentioned like lovers do even though uh this is not a family wants the relationship situation but one of the hero is re- is required to attend a family vacation on Martha's Vineyard and um he's best friends with the heroine who um, needs essentially his very fa- powerful family to support her as she goes through a pretty significant work thing that is not just a you'll g- lose your job and have to find another job. It could literally ruin her career. Right. Right. And so, again, I think that that's another question of stakes, right? There's a difference between I might lose this job, you know, that I feel fine about and – This could end, you know, she's a high, she's a brilliant surgeon. She's worked her ass off to be one of the, you know, best surgeons in in a, you know, top hospital. And there is a situation here where she might need his very wealthy family to side with her in a work thing. We did a whole episode on it. We'll link to it in show Mm -hmm. notes. I'm not going to dig deep on like lovers do, but I think it's a great example of like friends to lovers, fake relationship that really works well because he's also got this kind of like ex, you know, looming, this kind of person Mm -hmm. looming around who, you know, he needs somebody to just be his beard a little bit there. And so it works out really, really well. And then, of course, there's hammock sex, which, you know, we are on the record for highly supporting. Highly supporting. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Isla Moore, author of The Jennifer Files. Ooh, The Jennifer Files. Is it a biography? (laughs) 
<laughs> Amazing. Um, it is. Everybody. Is it a sexy biography? Look, it's a romance novel, everybody. And is it about a woman named Allison English? She's an empty nester. She's a widow. She's been a widow for 10 years. She's ready to downsize and have a better life to make an ex- some extra money. She agrees to ghostwrite a super sexy romance novel. Only problem is she doesn't remember how to do it. <laughs> what do you think she should do, Sarah? I think she should find herself a hot contractor and ask him for a sex deal. Is that what she does? His name's Will. Yeah. <laughs> how did you know? Will of sex dealing. Um, yeah. Will has Will's a single dad who does not have time for dating nonsense because he's trying to be a decent dad and like a decent person. But when he's, you know, offered an opportunity, just like freely yes. phone a hottie. What else would one do? They say the rules are you can't fall in love, but rules were made to be broken. You can find out more about The Jennifer Files if you have a smart podcasting app by looking down and clicking on the title right now. You can also go to our website on the show notes page, or you can follow Isla on Instagram at Isla Moore Books, her Facebook page, Isla Moore Books, or her Twitter, Isla Books. The Jennifer Files are available free in KU right now. Thanks to Isla Moore for sponsoring the show. I mean, I hate to, I always hate to say like, this is the one that I think is the best. Sure. But here we are, and I'm going to say we are. it. It's fine. I think Kate Claiborne's Luck of the Draw is Absolutely. the best fake dating story I've ever read. And I do too, and I wonder if we have the same reason why. So I have like oh, a very specific thing that I was like, oh, so you go. Oh, well, I don't know. I, I'm curious to know because for me – it is very much about heroin, the heroine's motivation for the, the, I've never seen it done this way. And I think that's it. As you all know, I love it when writers swing for the fences. I love it when I see something in a romance novel that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I literally have never seen it done this way. Yeah. So the book is Luck of the Draw. We've probably talked about this one too, but you know, here we are. Um, I believe, so the the premise of this book is that the heroine, the premise of the series is three best friends get a lotto ticket and win, right? And they mm-hmm. get enough money that it's kind of life-changing, but it's not like- Quitting your job and living. Holy crap, yeah. now we have hundreds of millions of dollars and we never right. have to do another thing in our life, right? So she has a terrible job where she essentially like negotiates for a pharmaceutical company on behalf of- on behalf of a pharmaceutical company to provide survivor benefits to people who have died from overdosing on a particular drug. Yeah. I mean, it's it feels very real, even more real now in yes. the opioid crisis than before. Right. Um. Anyway, she knows, like, she feels, she's I mean, done her soul wrong. has been yeah. sucked out of her life, out of her body with this job. And she knows she's, like, kind of been the bad guy yeah. here. Um, so she ma- she goes to she makes a list for romance reasons and she ends up in the hero's driveway essentially to apologize for the death of for what she did to basically nickel and dime the death the survivor benefits for um, his family because his brother died yeah. you know in this terrible way and he is furious, furious. and basically is like you're here for you. Not for me. And um, no, I don't like, I don't accept your apology. Yeah. And it is one of the most powerful sort of setups to a romance I've ever yes. read because she's, 
he's right not to. Yeah. Right? Like, like she, she really does. Like what she walks herself into his life like for she, herself. Yes. Not for him. Yes. Yeah. And then he offers her again, like for romance reasons. Fine. <laughs> he offers her an opportunity. She's like basically like, I'll if there's ever anything I can do. She you know, she's a, she's a heroine who instantly realizes, like, oh, he's oh, sh- right. I did yes. the wrong thing. Right. Such self-awareness here. And all of Kate's heroines have this, like, beautiful self-awareness. Um, and she says, if there's ever anything I can do. And she gives him her business card. And he's like, actually, you can be my fake fiancé because I want to win. Essentially, like, I'm in the running to inherit the summer camp where my brother and I went to camp and I want to start like essentially a retreat, a rehab center for people who are like my brother there. Boom. Mm -hmm. Right. The stakes are so high. They're all tied together in this interesting way where like she understands the severity of the situation. He understands, like he is like deeply broken. They were twins. Like he feels like there, but for the grace of God went, you know, would have gone him and it just is so heavily emotional and you as the reader understand fundamentally on like page Mm -hmm. 10 of this book what happens if it all goes south right like all the stakes that are on the page and it is a beautiful beautiful book and if you are thinking about writing a fake relationship story, I <laughs> you should read highly this. recommend yeah. reading this because you're definitely not going to write this story. Um, but you'll one get of the things, yeah. This is sort of like a side note, but like one of the things I hear a lot from other writers is like, oh, I'm writing that right now. So I don't want to read that because mm-hmm. I don't want it to be in my head. Sure. And while I appreciate that as like a conceptual idea, I also think like, Sometimes the best thing you can do when you're working on a very particular trope like this, something that's sticky and everybody knows, right, is to read lots of them because you can sort of get a sense of well, what works, what doesn't. Why did that like why did this one work but this one didn't? Um and often I think um and I really do believe that reading Luck of the Draw is I mean I think every romance novelist should read Luck of the Draw because I think it's just perfect, perfect. Yeah. almost almost perfect. Anyway, so that's so my first I, one. I want to talk, though, about why I love Luck of the Draw. And I think mm. this it's something very specific. And if you haven't read it yet, maybe this is a kind of a spoiler, but I don't think so, which is – so we've talked about that. Your whole question is, like, what happens if they get found out? And the thing that is stunning about Luck of the Draw to me is that you get so involved in how they are relating to each other – and what they are like, who they are together, that you almost forget that that it's fake and that they're gonna hurt somebody when it gets found out. And the mm-hmm. minute it gets found out, it's like you're. It, I I felt it's hard to like say this. It sounds ridiculous, but when they get found out, I was devastated for them because mm-hmm. I forgot that that was a stake. I forgot that that was something that was coming. Yeah. Oh, and, shit. Right? Yeah. And that, to me, is, like, such a brilliant, you know, don't talk about swinging for the fences because you're like, here, the whole premise of this is you know all along this isn't real, but 
it's so real for them until all of a sudden someone else comes along and says, no, it's not. We see mm-hmm. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that I thought was so – I also – And you can't – right? That's – the beauty of that moment on the page is that you can't back out of it, right? right. You can't say, oh, but now it's real, right? Right. <laughs> Even if it is real, it wasn't real then. Yes. And so, like, you're trapped in the lie. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And it is it is the moment in every fake dating story yeah. that works that, like, where the reader just gets that. Mo- oh, it's delicious. Yes. It's right. delicious. Right, right. So now you all know why Kate Claiborne was our first five-timer on, <laughs> on uh, Faded Mates. Uh, it's because we think she's brilliant and we love to have her on to talk about romance novels. Um, while we're here talking about family and um, the reasons why people do this fake thing, I want to just give a shout out to a book that's coming from our other five-timer, Adriana mm. Herrera, has her first historical coming in May. I want to make yes. sure. No, Eric it's May. Up. Is it May? May 31st. Okay. Has her first historical coming May 31st. The book is called A Caribbean Heiress in Paris. It's a marriage of convenience story, which, of course, is our historical version of fake dating. And the heroine needs to marry in order to get her inheritance, which is a rum empire. Um, She's a Dominican heiress at the World's Fair in Paris in the 1890s. It's delicious and it's so lush. It's so lush, this book. And the hero is a Scottish Earl who really wants to fuck with his father. Yes. And so he agrees to marry her for a prescribed length of time. And then it's, but then it's over. And she's going back to the Dominican Republic to, you know, run her rum empire and he will go and do whatever it is he's going to do in Scotland and they're just going to they're just going to use each other for like very clear right purpose. Well, and that's the other thing when the boundaries are so clearly set and then you start to see that creep is also, right, a really yeah. good part Amazing. of this trope when it works. And then well, and in this particular book and in others where it works really well is then like sex Sex becomes part of it because they're like, well, we can also do this, like, and it'll be fine. Sure. Like, it won't. It'll be we fine. can keep a crowbar separation between the two. It's gonna be fine. And readers are like, you're dummies. <laughs> I know. What dummies. Well, and that's it, right? I mean, it does feel like that's sort of a a big part of this trope is like the reader response to like the way to what's happening on page where you're just like, oh no, but I can't stop reading. I mean, I will admit mm-hmm. that they when they're working, they're so the hook is so powerful. It's really hard to sort of like hands off. Um, okay, let me talk about another kind of two I have that I think kind of are, fall into that opposites attract kind of thing, but mm-hmm. like for family reasons. One is Written in the Stars by Alexandria Belfour. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, right. And this is a really good one where it's a Pride and Prejudice, clearly based on names, I, whatever. Um, L <laughs> is a. <laughs> And like, whatever. Her name's Darcy. One of the heroine's names is Darcy and her brother's name is Brandon. Even I was like, oh, I get it. Um, (laughs) This is, they have a, so Brandon is Elle's friend and Darcy's brother. And Elle is like, oh, I'm having a hard time meeting someone. And he's like, you could go out with my sister. (laughs) And sets them up on a date and they are complete opposites. Elle is like a online 
astrologer with, you know, 500,000 Twitter followers, but like no money. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and unsurprising. Darcy, I have to actually shout out my friend Sunhee. Every time we have a, a romance character who's an actuary, her husband Laird is an actuary. She's like, this is not a sexy job. I'm like, it is in romance. Because um, <laughs> bet me, Min is an actuary. Yeah, yeah. Um, Darcy Lowell is an actuary, and they go out on this like terrible blind date. I mean, it's hideous. Darcy. Um, you know, is about to leave because Elle is late. Elle spills a glass of wine on her, on her favorite dress, right? It's just awful. And so what happens is, and you know what? Elle is humiliated. Like she sort of overhears Darcy saying what a disaster it is. And so she goes home, but Darcy's brother is basically like, you're afraid to love again because you had your heart broken two years ago. And she's like, no, it's not true. I like, I hit it off with Elle tonight. And of course, Brandon goes to Elle and is like, oh, I hear Darcy said you had a great time. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, it's a great setup. And in this case, Elle's – so Darcy just wants her brother to stop meddling. That's kind of her reason. Mm -hmm. But Elle's reason is more the, like, my family doesn't appreciate, like, what I do. I'm their, like, problem child who doesn't have a real job and doesn't have a real partner. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think it's again, right. it's that personal, it's family, but it's also personal. It's that sense of, yeah, I need to be able to prove that I can do this, f- like I can be more, right, right, right. And this case, too, it's sort of accidental. Like we can tell Elle that would not normally have gone along with this, but Brandon essentially runs into her at a coffee shop when she's with her mom. And so she's like, You know what? So there's then this – I think one of the ways you can convince me that will work is if there's some timing thing that happens and now they're kind of like, well, fuck it. Why not? Right? Mm. Um, Another example of this, an early Tessa Bailey book. I know I mentioned Tessa Bailey already, but I don't know if I've ever talked about one of my favorite Tessa Bailey books. I have a lot. It's called Worked Up with Samantha and Duke. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, if you have – Early Tessa Bailey heroes are like feral. <laughs> this, listen, yes. <laughs> I was like, I was going to say Neanderthals, but I know it's wrong. But he is just like, I just want to watch Sports Center and like drink beer and go to work at the factory, literally. But he has a bunch of divorced sisters who live with him. So he's like, I'm never getting married. Look how it turned out for my sisters. And Samantha had. <laughs> Right, I love that. A bunch of divorced sisters. It's literally like, no, I'm not actually exaggerating. I think he has four divorced sisters who are living with him. And he's like, I just want to watch SportsCenter. This is so good. I know. That's so smart. In my life, I've never had an idea that funny. (laughs) And that's it, right? And then Samantha is essentially her older brother is kind of controlling and has some reasons that he wants her to like – kind of be married before some money comes her way. It feels kind of romance reasons, and I didn't care because she is also really wary of getting married because she got really fucked over in her parents' marriage mm-hmm. and went in their divorce, right? So, like, a children, a child of divorce meets someone, right, who has all these divorced siblings. And it's this real nexus of, like, whatever. But this book is, I mean, listen, it's so hot. Shit, Sarah. I don't think I've read that one, and I'm definitely going to, like, right now. But first, I have to finish 
the Odette Stone catalog. <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen light in a week with this. I'm going to talk about one of them today because I can't stop. This week's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Look, relationships take work, even fake ones. But the uh, most important relationship that you have in your life is obviously a relationship to yourself. And you know what? I think a lot of people are you know, struggling with being at home or like just where we are in pandemic land. And it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And if you've ever, therapy is great. Look, we've all been through through it for the last two years. So um, what BetterHelp does is it's an online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So the podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp this week, and thanks to them, Faded Mates listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fadedmates. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Faded Mates. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show and for encouraging us all to take care of ourselves. So somebody, I'm so sorry. I got to go back and check the tape of the live. But somebody <laughs> out there came on. So, yes. all right, if you didn't come to the live, the Monroe live, um, you missed some fun stuff. And what Jen and I decided is like the best part of that live for us was bringing you all up onto the live with us to tell us like, Fun to just yes. answer questions and like be spotlit and like get to just be magnificent firebirds with all the other magnificent firebirds out there. <laughs> and um, somebody and I apologize. Please tweet us. Like please, like if you're like it was you know, me, identify yourself um, when you hear this. But somebody recommended Odette Stone's hockey series to me, and I swear to God, you guys. well, it was literally and the like- first one is called Puck Me. Shit, I can never remember the Puck adverb. Me gently? Like, no, it's not Puck Me <laughs> With a chainsaw? Sorry. Puck, That's I'm a very Heather's Puck reference with a P. Day. Puck with a P. Sure. Um, Puck Me secretly, because it's a secret relationship. Sure. Which is the opposite of a fake relationship. Um, so this, so whatever. And that be and and she sold it to me as like. She sold it to all of us. All of us. In the first chapter, there's a plane crash, and they survive it. And I was like, I'm for sure. Well, like, and she's I mean, like, I've never had an orgasm. And the guy next to her is like, if we survive, I will help you. What a man. <laughs> I mean, what a man. Mwah. So let me tell you, I downloaded that book, and he he's a man of his word. So... <laughs> I would not expect differently. So listen, so that's the first one, and it's great. Like, And I tore through it, and it was... I mean, check your check your content warnings on these books because they are the full banana, <laughs> y'all. Like the full banana, a bunch right off the tree. What I mean, multiple bunches. <laughs> it's like a hurricane is blown through, and there's just bananas everywhere. So, so the okay. So, so I mean, like this. I won't go through this book because, but there are. I was texting. I mean, I was texting with Jen. Through oh yeah, throughout. and like the number of times I was like, and now this is happening. I was like, is this like, the same book? What? <laughs> anyway, book? book three. So then I immediately I finished that. I immediately, I mean, did not pass go. Did not collect two hundred dollars. Immediately downloaded <laughs> book two. Tore through that one too. Also the full banana. Immediately downloaded book three, which is called 
the penalty box and involves a fake relationship between a Russian hockey player who is playing for the Vancouver NHL team. Sure. Um, named Micah or Mika. I'm going to go with Micah. I apologize to the <laughs> to, to the Russians out there who know the appropriate <laughs> pronunciation here. So here's the problem, though. <laughs> Micah, Micah's moved to Vancouver from Russia a long time ago, and he moved here with a friend who is now the head of the Vancouver mob. <laughs> sure. Which Listen. I can't say without laughing. But, like, yes, of course, there's a spinoff mafia series of this. I'm now reading this guy's book. Listen. So I I don't know how no one thought hockey and mafia together until I mean, now. That's such an obvious thing the, to do. It's the Jessica trope wheel. <laughs> the next one, he's got to have a best friend who's a Navy SEAL, obviously. Right? What are they called in Canada? Mounties doesn't really have That's the not same. Right. I'm sure they have Canadian Navy, Navy SEALs, though. So anyway, amazing. Wait, Jen. Sorry, I'm I haven't focused. even scratched the surface. We are in like we're on like page two. Okay. So listen, the greatest part about this show is like there's the serious fake dating books, and then there's the real. Like, and now Sarah's arrived. <laughs> oh no, I have some of these too. It's amazing. Okay, so wait, you guys. Oh my god, it's so much, and it's so amazing. So okay, so his best friend runs the mob in Vancouver, which doesn't feel like a real thing, but I mean, I'm not Canadian, so. <laughs> I grew up in Rhode Island where we like have the actual mob and it just feels like Vancouver's too clean for that. So <laughs> um but anyway, so um they haven't talked in a while and like, you know, they're friends and so he gets invited to like go drink a bunch of vodka with his Russian mafia friend in Vancouver and uh-oh, the warehouse gets raided that night. Sure. And so this NHL player <laughs> Gets arrested (laughs) and ends up in jail. Sure. Um, The owner of the hockey team arrives at jail and is like, (laughs) (laughs) what's happening? And his sports agent also arrives. The sports agent is a woman who is a heroine of a future book. And the owner of the hockey team and his agent are like, what are we going to do with you? Like, you are now wrapped up in this mob thing. And um, she's like, hey, I really think it's so to get so the owner likes a clean, a clean team like he wants he wants his guys to be like above board. And so he's like, I really don't think that I can offer him a new contract because blah, blah, blah. And the agent is like, don't worry about it. This was all a mistake. He's engaged to a really lovely person. He's not engaged to anybody. (laughs) So then he's like, what the hell? What are we going to do? I'm not engaged to anybody. Not only am I not engaged to anybody, I can never be married. Sure, I refuse to marry. I can't have children. There's something, something happened with his nanny. It's like a whole thing. When he was a child. Oh, by the way, he's also the heir to a bill. He's a billionaire. Of course. <laughs> I mean, obviously. And a Navy SEAL. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> but he's like, he can't love, he can't get married, he won't have children, whatever. She's like, no problem. My assistant... <laughs> Is in debt up to her eyeballs. Sure. Because her brother, who is in jail or is in prison, is in debt up to his eyeballs to a different mafia in Vancouver. <laughs> and she's like, 
on the take. She's like paid off his debt, but they just keep coming around for more money. Wait, what page are you on right now? Like seven? Uh, like 12. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's like, it's fine. Well, they don't know. Obviously, that's a secret, right? Like, so that, so she's like, but I know she has a lot of debt. She has like student loans and stuff. So, like, you should get married, pay her for the year, like an extra salary, and then you'll just be married. And it is, you guys. So he's like, well, okay, but just one year. And then, like, he sees her for the first time. Like, he's seen her. He's known her for years, two years. And he's like, she's had a crush on him all this time. So you you all know how much I love, like, an unrequited crush. I love it. She's had a crush on him all this time. And she's like, this is terrible because what if I fall for him? Like, she knows right at the beginning. Like, emotionally, if I fall for this guy, it's a nightmare. Like, this is a nightmare scenario because he's an NHL player and also potentially connected to the Russian mob. And what happened with this nanny? And is he a billionaire? It's all – there are a lot of questions. (laughs) And then um, it turns out, like, they get married and he, like, instantly – here's the thing that I love. Instantly, he's like, oh, well, now you're my wife and I have to take care of you. And lucky for us as readers, every mobster in Vancouver wants to just wreck these people. Sure. On top of it, she (laughs) has a neighbor – who might be like a complete sociopath who has a dog and they sometimes go dog walking together. Look, it's a lot. But <laughs> did I read this book in one day? You did. Absolutely. Probably. Did I immediately download book four? 100%. Am I currently reading the first in the Mafia series featuring the best friend? Yes, I am. Oh, hell yeah. Listen, I have not read them yet, but I'm immediately clearing my schedule for the rest of the day. <laughs> Look, I can't stop myself. There is so much. These plots are, there is so much. I don't care. There's so much. It's That's like what I want. It's like she gets through like chapter six and she's like, well, now we've done plane crash, monsters, <laughs> you know, hockey, many hockey fights, like several hockey fights. We've traveled all over the country. What's next? How about a crazy neighbor who wants to lock him in the basement? Sure. Like, okay. Fine. <laughs> Obviously. I'm like, yes, this all checks out. <laughs> Amazing. Mine aren't quite the Okay. I'm going to talk about <clears> – <throat> okay. So here's the other thing when we do these. Everybody has those, like, go-to romance authors that they just – that deliver every time, right? And even better if that is an author in KU. And so for me, one of the authors that – rings that bell is a woman named Ilsa Madden Mills. She just writes a very good romance novel, everybody. And she does a lot of fake dating. Now she has Mm -hmm. one that's coming out at the end of March. I'm going to name check it and talk a little bit about it because obviously it's not the middle end of March yet. It's called beauty and the baller. And I love this shit. He, two years earlier, um, Ronan and Nova had a one-night stand, kind of a drunken one-night stand. He had been miserable for a couple months, rightfully so, because his fiance died in, like, a car crash, and he couldn't play football anymore. He was, like, an NFL quarterback. So it's, like, kind of maybe, I don't know, eight or nine months after that event, and then he has this one-night stand. She disappears because he calls her by his fiance's name, and she's just mm-hmm. like, whoa, that's awkward. So then two years later— They, of course, are going to run into each other again. This time, not in New York. It's in a small Texas town named Bluebell. She has, her mom has died and she goes back to take care of her 15 year old sister. And he has like a new life coaching high school football, of course. 
Everybody in town wants him to stay. He is tired of all the matchmaking, so he asks Nova to be his fake girlfriend to essentially throw them all off the trail. It's great. It's great. And I also really like she returns home from home, you know, from New York, but she loves New York. It's not like this whole like I was miserable there. She yeah. loved it and now she's like that's okay. I'm going to take care of my family. It's great. Another one though that you wait, can wait, wait. Yes. But I just want to say, I just want to underscore that these Fake dating with celebrities is really fun. Yes. And I was going to say. That might be one of my, like, real catnipy ones. And I think it's interesting because I think it's, like, with athletes often, it's, like, this, I'm going to, That's what I mean. Clean up my reputation. Exactly. And let me go on and talk about the second book, one you can get right now, called Fake Fiancé by Ilsa Madden Mills. Now, this is new adult. They are in college. They're seniors in college. And this, I listen. This is the one, Sarah. You're going to love this. He is a – he's like the quarterback of the college football team. It's a celebrity romance, right? Right, exactly. Her name's Sunny. She is uh, moved in across the street from him, and they meet when basically – actually, it's kind of the same cute as Beauty and the Baller now that I think about it. Like some woman drives out of his house in a tiz. She's all pissed at him and like – sideswipes her car. So Sunny goes over and is like, what the hell? Who's that girl? She fucked up my car. And they, he's like, I'll drive you to college today. As it turns out, we will be in the same class, of course. Sure we will. And yes. they're also going to be in the same class, each of them, with the ex that, like, humiliated them or broke their heart. So as Perfect. they're driving, they come up with this plan, which is like, we're going to fake date to get back at these two. That way, no one will think that we are, like, the losers. We're going to be the cool ones who have already moved on from these humiliating moments with our exes. And um, so it's, like— The best thing about this setup, the, like, this, like, revenge fake dating, is that it gets real hot real fast. Oh, yeah, right? Because, like, the only way it works is if you're all over each other. So he literally—they're—like, they've literally met 20 minutes ago. They stopped to get a cup of coffee on the way to school, and— He is like, okay, we're going to go up to the sixth floor to, like, take this class. They get in the elevator, and he's like, "We're, you know, it would be great if if we were kissing right now. And then when the elevator opened and everyone saw us, they would see that it was real. And I was like, yes. Because traditionally when elevators open, everyone is looking inside them. That is a great idea. (laughs) You, Max Kent, are a genius. And so then after class, he's like, you know, we should keep fake dating because I want to win the Heisman. And I want to, like, have, like, this good reputation with a nice girl like you. There it is. Fake fiance. romance. Right there in the title. Amazing. Very for it. Look, I'm for it. Of course you are. So there it is. I have, um, that's it. Those are, those are my, I, you know, I said, I said my piece. You said your piece. You're going to go get forth a- and write your fake dating books, everyone. People love them. Just There's remember so to keep up. the stakes very, very high. <laughs> That's all we have to say about that. <laughs> if your stakes are not high enough, just ratchet yeah. them up. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have to be uh, the mob is after me and we're on a prison planet <laughs> or we're on a prison planet. Maybe and is too much. That's the next book in that Odette Stone <laughs> series. <laughs> series two is the mafia. Series three is mafia the mafia. <laughs> Look, um, maybe no. we could get. Um, but it can. It could just like the stakes just have to be. I just yeah. have to know. Yeah. Why everyone's heart is going to be smashed on the floor? Yeah. If it all goes bad. 
sure. And it's going to all go bad, Sarah. It's inevitable. Oh, I know. Oh, oh these poor babies. You know, is it wrong that I just want everybody to be wrecked in a romance novel? No, that's Probably. why we read it. Oh, so good. I don't want people to be wrecked in real life. No, that's why you have to read it in a romance novel. Exactly. Because otherwise also, you'd be a terrible person. And it's so hot when they like finally get together. Yeah. When he realizes he was being stupid. <laughs> and then he comes and he makes out with her. In or not in an elevator. Doesn't matter. I mean, you love love in an elevator. I actually spent a lot of time thinking, I do, but I was like, did I ever take an elevator in a classroom building in college? I no, always I took the stairs. Smith. There were no elevators. We have low buildings at Smith. There are. You can't send women up to high floors. <laughs> <laughs> there are several colleges here in the city of Chicago that are like in skyscrapers, and I'm yeah. fascinated by That's it. That's like NYU, yeah. Right? Of course. Yeah. Anyway. Listen. I just love romance novels. God, me too. They're the best. Oh, so good. I have a long weekend. And Mr. Reed's romance is going to California. So I'll be alone in my house. And people are like, what are you going to do? And I was like, read romance what do you novels. What think I'm going to do? <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty simple. <laughs> well... Thanks to everybody for listening. This is Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. Jen is Jennifer Prokop. You can find all of our information and all of the information on the books that you have heard about today at fadedmates.net. Thank you to Isla Moore and BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. As ever, you can find us on Twitter at Faded Mates or on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod. We hope you're reading some really fabulous books this week. If you are, let us know. <laughs>